It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The FT. Investors will no longer be banned from transferring out of their final salary schemes. So could this affect you? Wealthy borrowers are turning to bridging loans to help them buy a house. But what are the best options? And where in the world is the best place to retire? We look at the tax implications of moving abroad. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Alice Ross and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleague from FT Money, Tanya Poley. Hello. And our special guest, Tom McPhail, Head of Pensions Research at Hargreaves Lansdowne. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, the government decided to scrap a ban on allowing people to transfer out of their final salary pension scheme from 2012. The existing rules would have meant that people in most types of final salary scheme would not have been able to move their pension pot to a personal pension or alternative workplace arrangement. But the government decided that this was unfair and would restrict the choice that investors have over their retirement savings. I have Tom McPhail at Hargreaves Lansdowne on the line. Tom, how significant is this move? Well, I think this was quite a big deal. The government's intention was to, well, first of all, to, to stop contracting out. So everybody's going to get contracted back in from 2012 unless they're in a final salary scheme. Uh, and then as part of this legislative process, they said, well, look, if you're, if you're not going to be able to contract out anymore, we can't have contracted out money going into private pensions. So that means we can't let you transfer money out of final salary schemes into private pensions, such as SIPs or personal pensions. Um, And and there was a kind of logic to that. But the problem with it then was that uh, there are going to be situations where people will want to transfer out of final salary schemes, will want to be able to take control of their money. and, And these rules would have stopped them doing that. So they won't be stopped from doing that anymore. But why would you want to transfer out of your final salary scheme? Because isn't this the whole issue with final salary schemes um, disappearing is that they're so generous? So why would anyone want to leave one? Right. And you have to to take as your starting point that for the majority of people, most of the time, it will make sense to keep your money in the final salary scheme. However, We've got various factors that might come into play. Um, we're seeing changes to the final salary scheme rules, for example, the shift in, in the inflation proofing from RPI to CPI, which will reduce the value of benefits. We're seeing investors who are perhaps concerned, members of schemes who are perhaps concerned about the security of their employer and the funding position of the scheme, who want to get the money out simply so they can get control over it so that it's not subject to the future stability of the scheme and and we've seen some schemes going bust and falling into the pension protection fund and indeed if you if your pension rights do fall into the pension protection fund then almost inevitably you lose some of your pension benefits 
just as one illustration of this, we've seen some very high earners who've transferred out knowing that they will take a, a theoretical loss on the transfer because they want the security of, of, of a known loss against the possibility of, of potentially a very much greater loss if their scheme went bust. Because the pension protection fund only protects, uh, is it 27,000 a year of your pension? Uh, up to around 28,500. Right, yeah. uh, but there are also restrictions even within the pension protection fund on things like inflation proofing again. Um, and so this fundamental principle of people being able to exercise control over their accumulated retirement savings, of being able to, to choose to transfer out in those few circumstances where they might want to, where they feel it's in their best interests. It, there, was, there was a general sense across the pensions industry and from from consumers that to, 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 to ban this altogether would be, would be wrong. And, and I'm pleased to say the government has listened to these arguments and has changed its mind. Mm. So it's not suitable for that many people to transfer out of a final salary scheme. But if you do decide to take the plunge and you go to a personal pension, maybe a defined contribution workplace pension, what are you looking at? How much do you have to save in order to make it a similar benefit to what you might have got in your final salary scheme? The key test is to look at the hurdle rate, is to look at the critical yield. This is the rate of return that your money will have to achieve in this money purchase pension to match the benefits that you're giving up by moving out of the final salary scheme. And the higher the rate of return that you'll have to achieve on the money purchase pension, the less advantageous, the less attractive it is likely to be to transfer out of the final salary scheme. Um, and and you know, normally you'd look at a benchmark of somewhere between, say, 5 and 7% as being the sort of acceptable upper ceiling of the kind of rate of return you'd look for. If you're looking at double-digit returns to match the scheme benefits, then you're effectively almost certainly guaranteeing yourself a loss. Mm. And it all sounds quite complicated. I mean, you've got critical yield, you've got transfer value, you've got various different types of pension scheme floating around. Presumably, this is really an area where you would definitely need to take financial advice. Absolutely. This is, this is not uh, territory that uh, the majority of lay people will, will be able to deal with because there'll be uh, uh, unknown factors, stuff outside of their, their, their familiar range of, of financial planning. So I would absolutely urge anyone who's looking at this to take suitably qualified financial advice. Great. Well, thanks for that, Tom. And for more on transferring out of a final salary scheme and whether you could be affected, look out for my article in this weekend's FT Money with the Weekend FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, where is the best place in the world to retire? First, though, bridging loans. Wealthy homeowners have been increasingly relying on bridging loans as they find it harder to sell their existing property following a slowdown in demand from buyers. But borrowers now have a wider choice of lenders that offer bridging finance, following the launch last week of a new short-term lender from property developers, the Candy Brothers. Omni Capital will offer short-term loans to individuals and small-scale developers for properties in the prime postcodes of central London. So, Tanya, will this new deal widen the options for the wealthy? It could potentially. I mean, um, it's worthwhile stressing that they are largely aiming at those um, small scale property developers and sort of wealthy investors who might be looking to um, buy a buy to let investment. Mm. I mean, I think that's where they're largely going to focus on. But they said that they're not averse to actually offering um, bridging loans to um, people who are just looking to buy their new home. And uh, we are seeing this massive increase actually in demand for bridging loans just because the housing market we're seeing at the moment, we're seeing like houses staying on the property market for longer if they're not that kind of like sort of top quality type of home they're kind of actually sort of just staying on the market for longer and so people are finding that actually 
when they found the property they want to buy, it doesn't mean necessarily that at that same time they're going to be able to um, sell their property. So they're needing that kind of short-term loan to tie them over so that they don't feel pressured to sell their existing property at some kind of, you know, cheaper cost. And tell me more about how these bridging loans work. Um, how long can you take them out for and what are the rates like? Presumably if it's a shorter-term loan, the rates may not be that great? Well, it varies. Um, this is where it's worth actually talking to your mortgage broker about the options available to you. I mean, most um, lenders will only offer them from between three months to 12 months. I mean, you've got some kind of, of the more traditional bridging lenders in the market, which will actually offer some loans up to about three years. But I think it does very, it does basically depend on what type of deal you're looking for. And um, obviously, the interest rates can be quite high as well for that. Um, in terms of those wealthy clients, um, a lot of mortgage brokers are saying, actually, you can approach some of the private banks, such as Investec and Close, and they will actually offer you um, quite attractive terms, really. They'll offer you rates at similar rates to normal residential loans, which and for bridging loans and short-term loans in general, I mean, that's amazing because you'll probably get deals around 4% over bank base rate. If you aren't the type of client that they necessarily want to do that deal for, you'd have to go to a traditional bridging lender, which actually charge... Um, that it's really quite expensive type of loan to go for because they charge on a monthly basis and it tends between one to one point five percent. So you've really got to factor in how much how much you're willing to kind of spend for this extra cost to kind of tie you over. So if you want to take out one of these bridging loans, how much money can you actually get? Is there some sort of cap on how much they will loan you? It does vary again from between the different lenders. Um, I think some are quite happy to, I mean, take Omni Capital, for example, um, which launched last week, as we discussed. Um, their loan sizes range from about 50000 to $5 million. And we've actually seen last month um, another bank, um, United Trust Bank, actually extend um sort of loan sizes that they will, will allow so previously they had a maximum limit of two million mm. and now i don't think they seem to have a maximum limit they're basically obviously wanting to attract more business um so again it's worthwhile seeing who which of the lenders actually seem to be the best kind of um lender for you mm. okay well sounds good thanks for that tanya and for full details of how to get a bridging loan read tanya's article in the ft money section this weekend and on our website ft.com forward slash money And finally today, where is the best place in the world to retire? With governments around the world clamping down on high earners and a new top rate of 50% on income tax in the UK, retirement for the wealthy is becoming less tax efficient. But there are still some tax havens left, according to two new tax indices launched in recent weeks. BKR International has calculated how much income major shareholders and high earners in private businesses are left with after tax in 19 different countries. Meanwhile, ABN AMRO Private Bank has rated 13 tax regimes for individuals who want to retire to another country, live off investment income and then pass assets on to their heirs. So Tanya, where in the world is the best place to retire? Well, according to the ABN AMRO um, index, um, Dubai, Monaco and Australia are some of the best places to retire. And this is obviously based on the tax considerations, things like um, income tax, CGT, capital gains tax, obviously, inheritance tax um, and those kind of factors. I mean, that's purely from a tax um, outlook. They're saying that these are the best places. Mm. Now, if you were to consider kind of more of the lifestyle factors, this is where, interestingly, um, Austria emerges as completely the best retirement location um, for, for individuals. So um, apparently they they have a kind of total score of about 122 when factors such as like economic and political environment are taken into account, healthcare and climate's added in. Because mm. these are kind of things you need to factor. You don't obviously want to just retire somewhere for um, the tax benefits just just by itself. You also obviously want to have a nice nice lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, I've always thought that when people are just moving to the Middle East, you know, for random mm. tax reasons, yeah. you know, would you necessarily want to live there? That's no. the issue, isn't it? 
And so uh, just looking at the tax side of things, that's quite interesting because obviously in the UK, things have gotten a lot more difficult from a tax perspective. If you earn more than 150,000 a year, you get income tax of 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, capital gains tax has also gone up recently to 28%. Um, and then our IHT regime isn't uh, as generous as it perhaps could be. So w- what are we looking at in in these other countries? Do we have any examples of, of how that tax regime might differ in, say, Dubai or Monaco? Um, yeah, well, I mean, interesting enough, I think probably a lot of people are going to be looking at these things because of of all the stuff that you talked about. I mean, we've got some examples. So, so for example, retirement income in Austria incurs a flat tax rate of 25%. Mm. While in Spain, you've got kind of 21% or 90% up to an income of €6,000. Um, in Belgium, dividends are at 25% tax rate and interest is at 15%. So there's kind of quite a variation of um, different tax regimes that these, these countries have. Mm-hmm. And if we're looking purely on a tax basis, I think that um, one of the indices, the BKR one, looked at who has the highest post-tax income um, in the world. And do we know which country that is? Yeah, that's um, Saudi Arabia, apparently. Mm-hmm. So um, they've basically, they provide the highest post-tax income um, for shareholders, as well as the kind of wealthy individual of mm. the business. So apparently, um, Saudi Arabia would allow shareholders to receive about 80% of any dividends. Mm. And if individuals keep a massive 100% of their income. So that's oh, nice. pretty generous. Yeah. And how does that compare to the worst place in the world for shareholders? I think that the UK is um, up there in terms of the worst place in the world to be a shareholder, isn't it? Well, UK is not actually the worst place overall. Um, it, it does rate down quite badly. But um, Brazil actually is one of the least favourable um, places to relocate your business to. Um, you only have about 22% of your income left after tax. Right. So that's significantly worse than the UK. So at least we're not the worst in all respects. Thanks for that, Tanya. And if you'd like to know more about tax havens, look out for Matthew Vincent's article in FT Money this weekend. But that's all for this week's FT Money show. Remember, you can get weekday news updates on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Tanya and our special guest, Tom Whitfail from Hargreaves Lansdowne. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. 